editing Gwen here. I just wanted to let you guys know the audio quality for this episode of Tea and Squee is really not the greatest. As you can probably tell uh, from this audio that I'm recording right now, it's not going to be awesome. Uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, I wasn't able to have access to my regular audio recording equipment, so we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. We still wanted to record an episode, so uh, m we knew my audio quality wasn't going to be great. But then the audio that we did record ended up getting messed up in a variety of ways. So what you're about to hear is a knitting together of Alyssa's audio that she recorded and also a recording of the FaceTime call that we did. So there's, it's just not going to be on the same level as our, our normal episodes are. So I'm just asking, bear with us as we make it through our coverage of the New Moon book. And then by the time we hit the New Moon movie, we should be back to normal operating speed and levels and all of that jazz. So hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you on the other side. Bye! Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Gwen. And we are Teen Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. And today we are continuing our journey through the Twilight Saga. We are talking about the second book. It's called New Moon. Yeehaw! Now, Yeehaw! Alyssa, this is your favorite book in the saga, correct? It is. It absolutely is. Favorite book and favorite movie. I will say, uh, this book felt like a more complete project than yeah. the original. The writing is better in this one. Oh, for sure. I think is what I'm trying to say. This one is better written, <laughs> but I don't like this book as much. Um, and we'll, we'll get into why I don't like it as much as we move forward with this episode. Uh, so, uh, listeners, uh, there's the potential that this might end up having to be a two-parter. Uh, if that is the case, we'll let you know when we get to a point where we need to stop. Uh, but we're going to try to power through this monster of a book. This book is like 500. It's so big. It's like 570 some pages. Um, and that's just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of pages. She's a thick girl. And a lot happens in this book. Like this This isn't the, the first book you got. <laughs> Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of exposition yep. and, like, nothing happening. And then all of a sudden in the last hundred pages, the plot hit. In this one, you have, like, three or four different plots all running over the top of each other. You have mm -hmm. three distinct acts of the book. It's much better written. It works it so much better. But I don't like it as much. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I also just realized, I'm like, wow, she really took the whole Romeo and Juliet theme and the Shakespearean way of structuring, like, a three-act script and really applied that to her writing in this book. She really went the extra mile to make her literary devices work. Mm -hmm. Let's jump into this plot. Yes. Okay, so uh, we open this book like we opened the last one with a quote on... You know the what's what's the name for that page in publishing? It's it's after the dedication, after the contents. Mm -hmm. There's just this unnumbered page before we hit the preface, which of course we have mm -hmm. to have again. But uh, where the Genesis quote was in the last one, we have a quote from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, 
that reads, These violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die, like fire and powder, which, as they kiss, consume. And that's from Act 2, Scene 4 of Romeo and Juliet, which in context, in the context of the play, uh, that scene is to sort of set up the plot of their marriage uh, and also foreshadow their violent end you know like uh mercutio and benvolio talk about how romeo didn't come home they tell romeo hey uh tybalt juliet's cousin has challenged you to a duel the nurse comes on he and or she and romeo talk and romeo is like okay go let juliet know to meet me at the friars and we're gonna get married tonight kind of thing right and that's the context of the scene and it's foreshadowing, and I kind of like it used here. I do too. It makes sense. But I also questioned if it actually applied when I first read it. Because, again, I knew what was coming in the book because I had seen mm-hmm. the movie before reading it. And so I I uh, wondered if it applied because, like, Bella and Edward don't really meet an end ever like that's kind of the whole point of their thing that's kind of the whole point of vampirism uh yeah but i i understood what she was trying to do even if i didn't like how she shoehorned it into the entire rest of the book yeah that's like a note a big note i have for the whole book is like her trying to like fit the romeo and juliet narrative and the paris narrative with bella edward and jacob mm-hmm. i never really thought it worked and i still stand by that theory because mm-hmm. i had to try and think really hard and really critically and use my feeder brain and my english brain mm-hmm. to try to understand how it works and if it took me who has a double major in both those things a lot of like thinking time to really understand what she was trying to do then i feel like it wasn't a good thing to do in the first place Mm -hmm. uh we get another fucking preface we get another one another i hate hate this one more i do too i do too it's so stupid um in this one bella is running through a crowd of people towards something that is of life or death importance to her and i'm like hmm wonder what or who that could be And while I was reading this, I noted that I remembered how much I hated Bella's narrator voice because it's so pretentious and flowery and it makes me want to scream. And she only sometimes has that voice. And there Mm -hmm. are a small handful of times where it works. Like the flowery, pretentious language works. This is not one of those times because it's an action scene. So I just need to know what's happening. I don't want Bella to describe it like she is a poet. I just want Bella to... I want the stakes to be higher, and they don't feel very high when you're using thesaurus words, right? No. You know? Yeah, because in those moments, like, you need to have quick, fast-paced language that's driving your plot and driving your action, and that... And she's, like, literally weighing down the action of the scene with her flowery language. Because mm-hmm. the stakes are actually pretty high here. Mm-hmm. Like, the highest they have been yeah. in a hot second. And I have a couple of examples later uh, where the flowery language really worked. And I specifically made note where I was like, this is a mm-hmm. really well-written passage. And I really like oh, this yeah. passage. Um, but this is not one of those moments. No, and so I was just like, so- God, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It works so well when she's sad later mm-hmm. in the book. It works so well with sadness and not with fast-paced action. But 
whatever. So after those two things that exist, I don't know, for some reason they exist, right? Um, we finally get the first moment of the story, which is Bella having a dream. Uh, and she dreams about her grandmother in, um, in Edward's Meadow. And she's like, mm-hmm. wow, this has to be a dream because my grandmother's been dead for six years. And then Edward appears and she panics because she's like, no, Edward, she can't see you. She'll know. And I'm like, Bella, it's do you dream, know how dreams bitch. work? You just said it was a dream. <laughs> I know. She contradicts herself. And I'm like, Bella, it's fine, babes. It's it's, it's a dream. Yeah. Like, you, you no, know it's a dream. Nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Your grandma's dead. But she realizes that it's not actually her grandmother it's her she is an old woman looking in a mirror and edward is as young as ever because he's permanently 17 Mm -hmm. uh and she wakes up and it's her 18th birthday and she hates it because it means she's getting older and edward never will um i (sighs) (laughs) bella you are turning 18 you are not turning like 40 you are literally fine also her dad gives her presents and she's like he gives me presents that i specifically told him not to get me and i'm like bella you are 18 let your dad buy you presents yeah like he didn't buy you things that are breaking the bank he bought you a single present and your your mom sent you a scrapbook okay you got a scrapbook from your mom and a film camera not even a digital camera which he could have Mm -hmm. gotten you in 2008 when this came out yeah um, or 2000, when did this come out? 2008 or 2006? 2006, maybe? Since the books were... Per- first paperback edition was 2008. The text copyright is 2006. So okay. in 2006, he could have gotten you a digital camera. And he didn't. Yeah. He got you a normal roll film camera. Which did not break his bank, I promise. No. Like, it's okay. <sighs> and you should accept gifts from your parents on your 18th birthday girl yeah it is a milestone my girl you are so afraid of being an inconvenience to everyone and just hating yourself like honey you 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 need therapy at many points during this book she really does you need therapy immediately in this book like it's not like a you get worse and then you need therapy this this girl needed to be seeing someone this whole time (laughs) i was gonna say like even before she met edward she needed to see like a therapist and Mm -hmm. work through her childhood trauma i'm gonna say trauma because it is having Mm -hmm. to like emotionally support your mother when you were a child well, and the thing is, then she goes to school and she meets up with Edward and Alice and she talks about how Edward's perfect and she doesn't deserve him and she hates herself yeah. and she won't accept presents from Alice or Edward either. And I'm like, Bella, you know, it's totally okay to feel lucky that the boy who loves you loves you. Like, that's totally mm-hmm. okay to feel like yeah. you are so lucky to have the partner that you have. But you shouldn't be so buried in self-hatred that you can't recognize that he is also lucky to have you as a partner like exactly it that's that's not okay there are many things wrong with that um also your vampire in-laws are literally billionaires it's okay for them to give you presents too like even more okay than it is for your parents to give you presents let them buy you things okay it's Especially because, like, birthdays are so, are, like, fun for the Cullens because they technically don't age anymore. So they're, like, Edward even says, like, we haven't celebrated a birthday since Emmett's birthday, like, how many years ago? So, like, this is a really big deal to my family. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
please, please just put on a brave face. I know you don't want a big party, but like, they are really excited about this. And I'm like, actually, I don't get Bella's perspective because I fucking love my birthday and I like having it be celebrated. So I don't get where she's coming from. But I, I do a little bit because I'm one of those people who hates my birthday. I like... I like my birthday just fine. I don't like people doing things for my birthday because I feel like an inconvenience. I don't like people making a big deal out of my birthday. It just makes me uncomfortable. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I enjoy being like, it's my birthday and I get to do what I want today. And what I want to do is go to Barnes and Noble. Yes. Like, (laughs) I won't won't turn down gifts if you give me gifts. I will graciously accept gifts, but I don't want to have a party kind of thing. Um, that's that's, that's the kind of person I am. So I kind of get where she's coming from. But also, honey, it's your 18th birthday. Let the people who love you buy you gifts. Okay. It's, it's okay. Girl, it's fine. Um, I will say though, she gives, she gives Alice and Edward sass right off the bat. And I'm here for it. I'm here for Bella with a little more backbone. Um, me too. Glad to see it. Glad to see it. I also want to know, to see her. in this scene, Bella, like, Alice invites Bella, insists that Bella come to a birthday party for her at the Cullen house that night, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bella makes up an excuse about, like, but I haven't, like, finished Romeo and Juliet for English class yet. And Alice is like, you have Romeo and Juliet memorized. And I just want to say that I love that moment because it proves how well Alice knows Bella and how close they have become over the yes. summer. And so it really gives more depth to when Bella makes comments about how close she feels to the Cullens, about how well she knows mm-hmm. them. It gave that detail of depth um, about her strong relationships with the Cullens or lack thereof, as is mm-hmm. the case with like Rosalie. Like she is yeah. so close to the other Cullens that Alice knows that she has Romeo and Juliet memorized. And that just makes her, like, distance from Rosalie in terms of her relationship mm-hmm. even strong, like, more noticeable as well. Um, yes. So they go through the school day. They sit with Bella's friends at lunch. Um, and uh, Edward takes Bella home, promising to bring her over to the Cullen house for the party that night. Uh, Edward and Bella make out in her truck, and then they snuggle on the couch, <laughs> and they watch Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> And Edward comments that he doesn't like Romeo very much because he ruins all of his own happiness. And then Bella cries when Juliet finds Romeo dead. And, like, yeah. there is so much foreshadowing. There and is. we're only, like, 17 pages in. Uh, like I'm- I know. And then he talks about, like, the whole suicide talk with her. Mm-hmm. Ugh. He, I, like, he dries I- her tears with her own hair. And love to see it. Somebody sedate me. Um, and then he just <laughs> casually talks about how he contemplated suicide when he thought she was going to die the year before. Yeah. Um, and then she foreshadows even more where she's like, well, what would you do? How would you feel if that's how I felt if you died? Like, would you want me to, to like, want to kill myself? Yeah. And he's like, well, I guess no. And I'm like, oh, my God. The foreshadowing. <laughs> Stephanie, stop shoving it down our throats. I get it. Also, I just want to say that, like, this uh, version of Romeo and Juliet that she watches, she specifically mentions that it's the 1960s version. It's a good um, version. And it is a good version. It's the version I watched in my high school English class. <laughs> Same. Romeo and Juliet. Um, but it's not cry worthy at the end. I don't no. think I've ever seen a, an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, either a film adaptation or like a production on stage 
where I've been, felt compelled to feel sorrow at the end. That's same. It's not a play where I feel sorrow for Shakespeare's characters. I just look at them no. and I'm like, y'all are stupid. Which is, you know, it makes sense that that's who these yeah. characters are supposed to be in this allegory because uh, Bella yeah. Ed- and Edward are stupid as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I love it. We'd love to see how that translates. Yeah. I agree. Like, I feel bad for Romeo and Juliet in the end, but, like, not to the point where I want to, like, cry for them. I'm just like, oh, it's really unfortunate that your family's hatred towards each other drove you to this point in your lives. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's other Shakespeare works that make me cry more, and certainly New Moon's not going to make me cry either. (laughs) Uh, Edward (laughs) also tells Bella about the Bulturi, who are, like, the vampire royal family, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talks about how if he had wanted to kill himself he would have gone to them because he knew that neither of his brothers would have helped him kill himself and i was like i don't know what yeah. your sisters have like i i, I mean no I maybe maybe not would. but like i don't know do something bad enough to alice she might um true fuck her up a <laughs> um, yeah, real douchebag to alice and maybe she'll help you kill yourself <laughs> Uh, he insists that everything that had happened in the last book to put Bella into danger was his fault, and he's wrong about that, frankly. Like, no one could have controlled no. what happened with James in the last book. It's not his fault. Also, she but, didn't have to go to the fucking ballet studio. Yeah. She was dumb. But everything choice. that is about to happen in this book is his fault. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, Edward gets a little bit of, like, less blame for the le- I'm like, Edward, you're a little bit hard on yourself for the last book. This book, however... I'm going to put, like, all of the blame on you mm-hmm. because it's simply easier for me, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie comes home and doesn't hate Edward, which is surprising to Refreshing. me. Refreshing. Um, you know, they have a nice last dinner. Long. They have pizza. He calls them kids, which is super cute. It's he cute. comes home and he's like, hey, kids. He compliments Edward's reflexes. Uh, he gives Bella permission to go to the Collins, tells her to say hi to Alice because he loves Alice. Um, and Edward takes Bella to his house for the party. Uh, and, and they it's have... extra. Yeah. <laughs> it's real fucking extra. There's like flowers and candles and lighting the way to the house. And it's all pink. Everything is yeah, pink. Not... And I was like, does Bella have a favorite color? If she does, no. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be pink. And it I feel like, like Alice should or know blue. this. I feel like Alice should yeah. know this. But everyone's being, Alice should know this. Everyone's being gracious. Uh, Rosalie, even though she's kind of cold, is like kind she's not being outwardly mean kind of thing um edward says that the last time any of them had a real birthday was edward and er, sorry emmett in 1935 Mm -hmm. so they're all super excited so everyone's there to celebrate her birthday um but then when bella's opening presents she cuts her finger on wrapping paper and she bleeds a single Mm -hmm. drop of blood which makes jasper go feral And it causes Edward to panic, throwing Bella backward into a table of glass plates. The glass shatters. She gets all kinds of cut up, and it looks. Uh, uh-huh. And then she looks up into the ravenous eyes of six vampires. Um, yep. And listen, listen, okay, Jasper. Like, I really feel like this one's on you, my guy. Because like, it really was. You can't handle one drop of blood. If he can't handle Babes, one how drop you of in high blood, school? how was he going to high school? Right? Like, who literally. Des- who decided that this man shouldn't be absolutely completely well fed before bringing him to the birthday party for the human bitch? Who decided that? Yeah, that was real fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, makes sense how Alice didn't see this happening. Bella did not decide to cut her finger on right. wrapping paper. Right. Like, that, that's not a plot hole. But 
I feel like if Jasper gets ravenous after one drop of blood, he should not have made it through high school. Mm -hmm. There's no way. People get cuts all the time in high school or Mm -hmm. in general. Like, there's blood everywhere. How does he, like... Also, like, he was in Phoenix with Bella for, like, a whole last week, and it was fine. So, like, I'm very confused how it's suddenly an issue yeah. for him. Right? But anyway. It's the plot hole for me. Everyone leaves the room, and Carlisle patches up Bella at the kitchen table, uh, and she asks him, you know, his own perspective about what mm-hmm. happened when he was turned, you know, all those hundreds of years ago, and what he's been doing since then or since then and Carlisle gives us his God is real speech and uh Bella is surprised but comforted by that and he reveals that no Mm -hmm. one else in his family agrees with him about you know like heaven and God existing except for Edward uh but Edward believes in God and heaven but feels that they no longer have souls so Carlisle believes that there is an afterlife for them the same as there is for humans Edward does not agree um and I wrote down a quote that Carlisle says about Edward and I just want to read it to you and he says I look at my dot 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 son his strength his goodness the brightness that shines out of him and it only fuels that hope that faith more than ever how could there not be more for one such as Edward and I love it I I love this book is so good it, it's Thanks. so good with the parents being parents, and I love it. it. Is. Carlisle is an amazing dad in this book. Charlie's an amazing dad in oh, this book. Oh, Charlie's so good. Billy, even though I don't always agree with what he does, is an amazing yeah. dad in this book. Like, I love the parent figures in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Yep. I loved that conversation Carlisle had with Bella, and it made me so sad because I wish they had more interactions with each other. And it made me wish that we heard more from Carlisle in general, especially about stuff like this. Like, I'm so interested in, like, his theories about, like, vampirism and how he thinks they aren't, like, truly evil and, like, they choose to be good. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're choosing to be good, there must be some sort of afterlife for them. And I'm like, Carlisle, that's fascinating. I just want to hear all about you, you yeah. know? He also tells Bella the story of turning Edward um, <laughs> and about... Uh, when he was working in Chicago where he met Edward and his parents and he tells her that, you know, Edward's father was unconscious when he was brought to the hospital and never regained consciousness. Mm -hmm. And his mother, the night that she died, grabbed Carlisle and insisted that he do everything to save her son. And he said, I'll do everything in my power. And she's like, you have to do everything in your power, what other people cannot do. And Carlisle's like, this bitch knows I'm a vampire. I don't know how this bitch knows that I'm a vampire, but she does. And uh, so he decides to respect uh, Elizabeth Mason's last wish and turn Edward. Um, uh, He also mentions that she had the same bronze hair as Edward and green eyes, that they shared mm-hmm. bronze hair and green eyes. And Edward is Irish. I've decided this. It's canon. He, um, oh, he is an Irish bitch. <laughs> but this is this description that Carlisle gives us is the first time that this book about vampires, that the series about vampires has truly felt like that sort of gothic, horrifying, vampiric yes. sort of narrative. Like everything else has been intense and dramatic, but it's been kind of soft and like mm-hmm. romantic, romanticized, right? But this passage mm-hmm. is chilling. I'd lo- can I read this to you? I'm gonna you do go a lot of it, like yes. quoting from the text here. So, That's good. I looked at Edward. Sick as he was, he was still beautiful. 
There was something pure and good about his face, the kind of face that I would have wanted my son to have. After all those years of indecision, I simply acted on a whim. I wheeled his mother to the morgue first, and then I came back for him. No one noticed that he was still breathing. There weren't enough hands, enough eyes to keep track of half of what the patients needed. The morgue was empty, of the living, at least. I stole him out the back door and carried him across the rooftops to my home. I wasn't sure what had to be done. I settled for recreating the wounds I'd received myself so many centuries earlier in London. I felt bad about that later. It was more painful and lingering than necessary. I just... Like, it's so... It's so good. <laughs> it's very Dracula, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the little small O to the OG vampire story, which is, like, the origin of gothic literature. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I love... It. I love vampire Carlisle stealing Edward away from the morgue where the dead yes. live. You know, it's just oh. so good. It's so good. Yeah, I love the way he describes everything. Carlisle also tries to convince Bella that nothing that has ever happened to her since she entered their lives has been her fault, and she won't even believe Carlisle. Um, Poor baby. <laughs> Bella, it's not your fault. You, you know, you got a paper cut. Like, mm -hmm. it's not your fault. Edward insists on taking her home, but first she has to change, so Alice helps her, mm -hmm. uh, you know, find a shirt that kind of resembles the one she came in, and they have a short conversation, and it's, like, the saddest moment of the series so far. Yeah. Like, I really felt this moment. She She's like, My Alice, hearts. I whispered as she headed back to the door. Yes, she kept her voice low, too, and looked at me curiously, her head cocked to the side. How bad is it? I couldn't be sure if my whispering was a wasted effort. Even though they were upstairs with the door closed, perhaps he could hear me. Her face tensed. I'm not sure yet. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I feel uh, this moment. <laughs> oh. Also, like, tethering to that, like, the whole drive home from the Collins where Edward is, like, steely and silent. I want New Moon from his perspective for that moment. For, like, the whole beginning moment. Just because I want to know what he's thinking. I want to know how he's planning Mm -hmm. his next steps with Bella. I'm just so curious because she knows there's something wrong. She just doesn't know how to go about talking about it. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> and then Edward also is like, this never would happen if you dated Mike Newton. Mike Newton would be able to hold your hand while you got stitches. Mike Newton and his family wouldn't be a danger to you. You could hang out with your normal friends and not worry about getting attacked. And I'm like, listen, Edward, you have a point, but... but it's no one's We're fault that this is what is no. happening. It sucks, but this is your life, okay? Yeah. And so if you want to be like together, that's just how it is, okay? You can't control your individual circumstances. You can only control how you guys work through it together, and you need exactly. to work through it together, which is the key point that he is missing in this series. Yeah, which he does, literally, which he doesn't understand in this whole book. And he's like, I'm going to do the opposite mm -hmm. instead because mm -hmm. no this is clearly all my fault my family's fault bye bye so they go back to the swan home bella opens the rest of her presents with edward in her bedroom mm -hmm. uh she got a stereo from emmett emmett jasper and rose she got plane tickets to jacksonville from esme and carlisle and she got a cd of edward's compositions from him and alice and she loves all of her gifts she thinks that they're wonderful um she asks edward to kiss her again and he does more urgently than he ever has before 
And as she falls asleep, she realizes that it reminded her of when they had to say goodbye when she was on the run from James, which gives her an insane sense of foreboding. (laughs) I, like, this part makes me go feral every single time I read it because I just, I know what's going through his head. I'm not in his head, but I know what he's thinking. He's like, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to kiss her like this. Sorry, there's going to be spoilers. I, you should know this already, guys. Sorry. But this is the last time we're going to kiss her, you know, or like maybe one of our last times together. Like, I'm just going to go in and feel everything. And I just, I feel so bad. You know something bad's going to happen, but you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) The next day at school, Alice is gone. Edward says that she went away with Jasper because Jasper felt so bad. Um, But Bella can tell that something's super wrong with Edward, and she makes him promise to meet her at her house after work that evening. When she goes home, you know, things are still very off, uh, and Mm -hmm. she realizes that change is coming. uh, And clearly, she and Edward are going to have to make a run for it. They're going to have to leave. So she starts taking photos of everything she loves in forks, of her room, of her dad, because she feels like she's going to have to leave it. Um, And Edward doesn't spend the night like he usually does, and she can't sleep because of all the dread she feels edward ignores her for the next two days at school like he's physically there with her but won't talk to her at all won't answer her when he when she talks to him like it's bad and she knows that she wants to fix things but she can't figure out how to make it happen um and edward asks to come over after that second day of not talking to her at all and Bella's like, yes, of course you can, but she doesn't know if she feels relief or dread about it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then Edward (sighs) breaks up with Bella, claiming that he doesn't care for her anymore and that she's plain and human and that he and his family are dangerous for her and she is dangerous for them. And he's like, I don't want you anymore. It's... But still asks her before he leaves her to do her him one favor if it's not too much uh you know don't do anything reckless or stupid don't put yourself in danger and i'm like bitch yes it is too much it is too much to ask her that you don't get to break her entire psyche and then ask her for a favor and you don't get to be a hypocrite who told her not even 45 pages ago that you wanted to kill yourself when you thought she might be gone forever yep fuck you edward i this breakup scene breaks my heart Especially because he has to know how inferior she feels compared to him, and he just feeds off of that anxiety she has about never being good enough for him, and just, like, pits it against her as a reason to no longer be with her anymore, which is just making her feel worse about herself, because she's like, yep, he's confirmed it now. What I've, what I've always known is I'm never going to be good enough for him. I'm not perfect I, like he is. I am simply human and just imperfect and pale in comparison compared to this god who clearly i guess never really loved me in the first place and i'm just like edward i fucking hate you you could have done this in a better way and not like completely broken her spirit and made her feel completely worthless which she already feels about herself because of you Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh it hurts so much like initially it makes me sad but like the more i think about it it like makes me so angry and this is the reason i have i have such a hard time liking edward after this breakup 
because of just the way he made her feel mm-hmm. and how much shit she went through after this moment. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I, mm-hmm. I just want to punch that man. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, also, Bella has this amazing line during this breakup scene where she's like, what happened with Jasper? That was nothing. And it's hilarious to me because, like, we know she's referencing Jasper trying to attack her and kill her. Mm-hmm. But what it sounds like is that she cheated on Edward with her with his brother. <laughs> but it didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Edward, I swear, I just wanted a vampire dick and you wouldn't give me yours. So I just I had to get another one. Uh, so Edward leaves he runs through the forest and leaves her forever and Bella wanders after him into the dark forest and stays there Uh, she trips and stays down she doesn't have the willpower to get up Uh, and she can hear people calling for her but she can't bring herself to answer them Uh, Sam Yuli who she doesn't know uh, finds her and carries her home and it's clear that everyone's been looking for her and it's after midnight everyone's been sick with worry Charlie has a his first 10 out of 10 dad moment of the book here where um sam comes out and he's like i found her and charlie's like give her to me now bella honey it's all right i'm right here baby don't worry we're almost home like and insists even though he can't really take bella's weight insists on carrying her himself all the way home um yes uh the other doctor in town who is not carlisle confirms that the cullens are gone uh he says that there was a job offer in L.A. that Carlisle just couldn't turn down. Um, Charlie doesn't react well to this news. No, he doesn't. Uh, Bella falls asleep on the couch, and in the middle of the night, Charlie gets a phone call reporting fires out on the cliffs by the reservation. And when he calls Billy uh, to find out what's going on, he learns that the uh, some of the boys down on the reservation are celebrating that the Cullens are gone, and Charlie really doesn't take that well. He's pissed. Um, but Bella finally makes it up to her room and realizes that all of her presents from Edward are gone. Every trace of him. Just like he said, he made a comment that it was like, it'll be like I never existed. Uh, and he takes every, all of her presents, all of the photos of him, everything. Just takes it and leaves. Bella says... I- the waves of pain that had only lapped at me before now reared high up and washed over my head, pulling me under. I did not I love resurface. I love ah! that line. It's so beautiful and poetic. Oh, Bella, I hate that you're depressed, but girl, you're be- the best writing's coming from your depressed mm-hmm. brain. This, so, is, like, this is one of those moments where that flowery language works. Yes, it's perfect for this moment for describing her grief and pain and then we have one of the most iconic transitions where it's like october november (laughs) december december january January. waking up (laughs) that's it stephanie is like i i'm not gonna write about it let's transition babes yeah for those of you who have not read this book i need you to understand what you are presented with is just a blank page and in the middle of the page is the name of the month and you get one of those pages for october november december and january and then you get a half page titled waking up which reads time passes even when it seems impossible even when each tick of the second hand aches like the pulse of blood behind a bruise it passes unevenly in strange lurches and dragging lulls 
but pass it does, even for me. And then we enter act two of this book. Another good writing moment, another good moment for her. (laughs) Stunning. Act Um, two begins. Act two. (laughs) Bella's depresso. She's like a shell of a human being, like a zombie. Like she goes to work, she goes to school, her grades are perfect, she does her chores, but like no life behind her Mm -hmm. eyes. She's kind of acting like a robot. Charlie's really fucking worried about her. Yeah, he makes a comment because she's like, I'll try harder because he wants to send her back to Jacksonville or have her see a therapist, which both of those Mm -hmm. things are good ideas, frankly. They're really Um, both good ideas. uh, And Bella's like, I'll try harder. And he's like, I don't think I can live through seeing you try harder. I've never seen anyone try so hard. It hurts to watch. Like, that's not the problem. I just need you to be alive again. I miss you Mm -hmm. and I'm worried about you. Um, so Bella promises that she's going to ask Jess out to the movies that night, and she does, after complaining that Jess has been ignoring her. And Mike also tries to interact with her, but restrainedly. And I'm like, frankly, I can't blame her human friends for acting the way they do around her. Because, like, I'm sure at the beginning they tried. I'm sure they tried to interact with her and still be the same friends to her. But when you aren't getting anything back, there's only so long you can try. And so, like, yeah, you, you worry about that person, but you can't give all of yourself to someone who's not going to give anything back to you. Well, especially because Bella was, has, hasn't really been close with her human friends since she started dating Edward. She kind of blew him off for her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't been close with them for months. I'd say objectively she was the closest with Angela, but she doesn't want to talk to Angela or hang out with Angela because she knows Angela's going to, like, ask how she's doing and she doesn't want to, like talk about that with anybody else so she's like jessica's shallow Mm -hmm. so this is the easiest option and then she's like oh this is actually gonna be more difficult than i thought and i'm like yeah bella yeah jessica (laughs) it feels probably feels snubbed by you yeah um so then bella and jess go to see a zombie movie and uh jess is trying to put forth an effort and connect with Bella and trying her best Bella is not trying like at all she's just trying to distract herself and she realizes during the film that she relates more to the zombie than to the humans that are being chased by the zombies um which makes her very uncomfortable they go to walk to dinner and Bella spots four men outside a bar and she abandons Jessica to try to talk to them, compelled by some force that she doesn't really understand, but she starts to realize is like a flashback of her uh, memory from almost being attacked in Port Angeles the year before. Uh, And she's stopped by Edward's voice, which she hears um in her head she like hallucinates edward telling her to stop and she realizes that the closer she is to danger the better she can hear him so she decides to put herself in danger and jess is pissed and has every right to be rightfully so i'm literally i i was i wrote down i'm dying because she's like i think i offended jessica i'm like no fucking shit you offended jessica bella like if any of your friends walk towards a sketchy group of strangers and like potentially puts both you and and them in danger of course she's gonna be pissed off about it like what the fuck were you thinking clearly nothing yeah yeah no thoughts head empty (laughs) uh anyway bella's finally awake now and she's coming back into herself 
overhears two backpackers at work the next day talking about large animals in the woods and they can't decide if they're bears or something else um this is foreshadowing again there is so much fucking foreshadowing in this book like i get it stephanie i can't decide if it's well done or if it's too much because i know what's coming i think it's too much so like i'll ask you Alyssa, as a person who read the books before you saw the movies when you first read these books did you figure out what was coming way too early yeah i did well like i like read this book in time with new moon the movie coming out so like the trailers had already spoiled oh, me okay. before I had, like, even gotten through the book. So, like, I read it in tandem, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I was a little bit behind with the first book. I had just missed the first movie with the first book, so I tried catching up for the second movie, and I almost made it, but the trailer spoiled me. Yeah, I get it. But even when I read it, I was like, okay, <laughs> I feel like this is too much foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, I feel like the the what's to come is pretty evident once we start moving into the second act of the novel mm-hmm. with Jacob and everything like we pick up pretty quickly what's going on yeah I don't think we needed this pre foreshadow moment so after that foreshadowing happens uh Bella finds some old motorcycles on the side of the road acquires them and then decides to take them to Jacob Black to see if he can fix them because Jake. Uh, fixes cars right and so she's Mm -hmm. like hey jay could fix up these motorcycles and then i could be a daredevil um charlie's really pleased that she's going to see jacob but he Mm -hmm. doesn't know about the bikes and he cannot know about the bikes this is plot significant charlie cannot know about the bikes uh no so jacob and bella get on straight away they catch like fire they are really really good friends she realizes that she's missed him and she's missed having friends she likes having friends Bella meets Jake's friends, Quill and Embry, who give Jake shit about Bella. Uh, Bella yep. mentions that Jake is going to give her riding lessons, and Quill makes some uh, smart-ass comment under his breath, and I can only imagine what that is. Um, and I think it's hilarious. Um, it's gross, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it's disgusting, but I love it. And for the first time in months, Bella sleeps without dreaming. She doesn't have any nightmares, nothing. She, n- no thoughts, head empty. Um, this girl sleeps Beautiful. without anything, and she loves it. She thinks it's amazing. So... Next day, Belle and Jake go shopping for parts. Jake notices the Mm -hmm. gaping scratched hole in the center of her console where her stereo should be. Um, It was the only thing that Edward left behind because he wasn't, he didn't have like an opportunity to take it out. Um, And Bella decided to scratch it out with her bare hands, uh, leaving her fingers bloody. Uh, And she's like, oh, my stereo used to be there. It's busted. I took it out. (laughs) It's fine. Um... (laughs) They get all the parts they need for the bikes, and they get to work straight away. Charlie, Billy, and Harry Clearwater, who we haven't met yet, but who has kids around Jake and Bella's ages, mm-hmm. um, they all come home, and they all have spaghetti at the Black House, uh, which That's is so super, cute. super cute. Uh, and we meet the Clearwater kids, Seth and Leah. Leah is a year older than Bella, and Seth is 14. Um, mm-hmm. Bella is happy for one of the first for times first in so time. long. Uh, so good. Mm-hmm. She has a dream about being lost in the woods, but Sam Yuli is there and she doesn't understand why. And I just want to say, does Bella have prophetic dreams now? Like, this is the first time... like she dies. This is not the first time her dreams have, quote-unquote, like, meant something. And, like, that's a classic chosen one trope is that you have, like, mm-hmm. prophetic dreams, but Bella's story isn't a chosen one narrative, no. you know? Like, she's not meant to, like, save the world kind of thing. Uh 
and she isn't meant to have any special powers beyond as we find out later like being a shield you know yeah but that wouldn't give her prophetic dreams so like the whole dream (laughs) mechanic that stephanie meyer relies on super heavily in this book especially like makes no sense for a character who's just supposed to be a normal human girl mm-hmm. who, I guess, just, you know, has a strong mind kind of thing. It doesn't, I, yeah. she doesn't have prof- pro- prophetic talents the way that, like, Alice does, you know? No. So it's just dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. It's dumb. All the dreams I, are I dumb. I hate it. I literally hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belle goes <laughs> to school actually tries to interact with people for the first time, noting that she feels a little lost because she hasn't been paying attention for so long. Um, yep. And everyone's surprised to have her back, but Mike and Angela, you know, seem pleased, uh, which is nice. Cute. Uh, Bella realizes that it's been one year exactly since her first day at Forks High School, and Angela remarks that nothing much has changed. Bella agrees, which is interesting, because if you had made that comment yeah. to Bella a week ago, or even before Edward had left, she would have told you that everything had changed. And she would never yep. be the same. But it seems that she's becoming her old self again, which is exciting. It's because, so lovely to see. Frankly, we never got to see Bella's true self in the first one. Because at the beginning of the book, she was so anxious about starting at a new school. And then mm-hmm. everything else was anxiety because Edward. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited to see Bella as Bella, if that makes sense. I think... That's I think that's really why this is my favorite book. Like as a kid, it was obviously because I really grew to love Jacob as a character. In this book, I'm gonna say in this book and in this book only did I really love Jacob Black as a character. Um, but now that I'm older and I reread it, and I was like, you know, it's really lovely seeing Bella as like a singular person and not in like an and like a Bella and Edward. Mm-hmm. Like I get to see her as a character, like obviously recovering from a really big traumatic thing that happened to her but like see her come into herself again and like be a person and it's really fascinating to watch her and i'm so compelled by like bella being alone and not being attached to edward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bella then makes the mistake of driving out to the cullen house to find it empty she doesn't know why she's going there maybe to find some answers but it triggers something in her and she runs from it back to lapush and back to jake um and i'm just like belly you aren't ready to face your demons yet you just came out of this like no no she really did she was like i've been with friends with jake for two weeks now Mm -hmm. and so i am ready now to face my my troubling past and i'm like you are not but thanks for thinking that uh mike tries to ask (laughs) bella out on a date and she says no to the date but if he wants to go out as friends she'd like to go out as friends and he's disappointed but doesn't rescind his offer uh and says like yeah of course we can go out as friends and she just like really hopes that he means it um Mm -hmm. and i'm like girl i feel you i feel you yeah uh i i hate so much that she's incapable of just having a male friend i hate it I, yep, I make that note later in the book where I was like, I'll talk about it later, but yeah, it's really frustrating how in Stephanie Meyer's writing, Bella is incapable of having a male friend. Like, mm-hmm. it must be romantic interest or nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I'm like, men and women can be just friends, but okay. Mm-hmm. The exception being <sighs> Emmett, yeah. who is her friend because she's dating his brother and because he's already mm-hmm. so completely simpy for rosalie you know yeah he's already spoken for so they can be friends anyway saturday (laughs) 
Jake calls Bella to tell her that the bikes are done, and she rushes to meet him so they can test them out. And on their way to test them, they spot a group of boys cliff jumping. Jake explains that it's a recreational thing that they do on the reservation, um, but that those guys in particular, Sam Uli and his quote-unquote gang, were jumping from too high, and it was too cold for jumping anyway, and he accuses them of showing off and makes it clear to Bella that he doesn't like or trust them. And he mentions that Sam mm-hmm. has been eyeing him up like he's waiting for Jacob to join them. He's, he's afraid of Sam because uh, he's seen multiple guys his age all of a sudden start acting differently and start hanging around Sam and they won't hang out with any of their old friends anymore and it's freaking him out and he he's worried that he's going to be next to be targeted and he doesn't mm-hmm. know what that means but he doesn't want to be um yeah Bella reassures him that everything's going to be okay like if you need to you can come stay with me and Charlie so you don't have to stay on the reservation like it's going to be okay we're going to take care of it um and then makes Jake promise to take her cliff jumping sometime Um, Because she sees it as another way to, you know, chase that thrill, chase that adrenaline that is making her hallucinations happen. Um, They have a lovely little tender moment where Bella hugs Jake to reassure him and he tries to advance it towards something more than platonic. And Bella tries (sighs) to put a stop to it and he just doesn't get it. He does not catch the hit. I hate it. I hate it. It's not good. I hate it. I've liked Jake up until this point, even in the moments where he's, like, tried to flirt with Bella, because it's been, like, okay, he's trying to flirt with Bella, but, like, Mm -hmm. this is a moment where, like, she initiates physical contact to comfort him, and he he then proceeds to take advantage of it, and when she tries to draw that line, he refuses to acknowledge it, and I hate that. It's not a good moment. I'm like, Jacob respect her boundaries please and thank you uh jake teaches bella to ride and she's terrified of the bike and something that was interesting in this passage was that uh jake like asks her if she understands how the clutch works and then explains to her how the clutch works and i'm sitting here going she says that her truck is a chevy truck from the 50s like she knows how the clutch works yeah like it's automatic trucks existed it's possible that it wasn't automatic but i'm fairly certain this girl knows how a clutch works uh in the movie at least the the truck is a stick shift um yep she should understand how how a clutch works but anyway um (laughs) while she's riding the bike she hears edward's voice again and becomes so distracted that she loses control and she crashes splitting her head open um but she thought the adrenaline rush was great seeing edward or hearing the edward hallucination was great she Mm -hmm. loved it um, Jake's like, bitch, you're crazy. And she takes, he takes Bella to the hospital where she gets stitches and then she gets hurt again the next week and she cites, uh, quote unquote, the most amazing hallucination, which is concerning because she's starting to sound like she's addicted to the hallucinations, which she, yep. she literally is. She's constantly yeah, chasing she her next fix for it. Um, oh, Bella. But also, why don't they have helmets? Why do these children they not have helmets? helmets. I yeah that's a frustrating thing I'm like Bella we should be having helmets here Jacob you should be having helmets especially after the first time after she like cuts her head open helmets Mm -hmm. the next time Mm -hmm. what the fuck it's helmets 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 um Uh, so Bella takes Jake on a hike she decides she wants to go look for Edward's meadow um why I don't know mm mm-hmm Jake makes a joke about Bella tasting good. It's gross. Um, yeah, it's really weird. They don't find the meadow, but that's okay. Bella and Mike and Jake all make plans to go to the movies. Uh, 
and like they invite all their friends but they all bail leaving just the three of them and jake insists on driving because he finally finished his car that he was building and there's a very weird rivalry going on between mike and jake that bella would very much like to be excluded from yeah um Jake makes <laughs> Jake makes some comments about Mike being persistent, and Bella makes a comment about how she wish he wa- wishes he wasn't. And Jake's like, "But persistence works sometimes." And she's like, "Eh, maybe not." And he just, I'm like, Jake, you really are just like such an asshole, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I really not. This is not his finest moment. This is where I lose a lot of my liking of Jacob because he just won't back down, and it's very frustrating to watch this unfold mm-hmm. um uh. <laughs> what was i gonna say oh uh jake makes a comment to mike about being an old family friend and then shakes his hand like really firmly and i'm like this is 100 percent the flex that jake thinks he thinks it is like yeah m- meeting this guy who's so much taller than you and then he's like yeah i'm an old family friend of bella's uh, like, this guy has more history with Bella than you could ever hope to have, and he's so much taller yeah. and buffer than you, Mike. Like, I I will say, I was here for Petty Jake in this singular moment. I would say, I respect, I respect the game for that singular moment because it was not an advancement towards Bella that she didn't want. It was an intimidating Mike Newton moment, which is, you know, always a nice thing to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Mike gets sick at the movie. Bella and Jake have the Mm. worst conversation ever, and this is the turning point in my liking of Jake. He is now blacklisted, and I will be hating him forever and always. Thank you, and good night. Um, He essentially is like, listen, I understand that you don't feel the same way about me that I do for you, but uh, couldn't you try? Um, And also physically restrains her. She tries to, like, they're so used to holding hands at this point um just platonically and jake bella tries to pull her hand out of his and he won't let her go he physically restrains her and forces her to talk to him about this Mm. i hate jacob black no i hate him it's not it's not good and i'm frustrated because that moment's so bad but the moment he has later when he drops bella off is a much better moment so i'm like why did this have to happen first why could we have just been a good person and not like tried to restrain bella and like force her to feel things towards you mm-hmm. why did we have to do that why did mm-hmm. that have to come first why did this have to be a narrative for jacob at all yeah. why are we flipping back and forth between the jacob narrative i'm convinced stephanie meyer just doesn't like him as a character <laughs> and that's why she makes him so intolerable sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know what's gross is that uh, if you read the, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Her her dedications or whatever. Uh, she talks about in one of the books, and I don't know which which one of the books it is, but I was reading. Uh, she has a little brother named Jacob, who she bases Jacob Black off of. I think yeah. is what it is. It's her little brother. I, I think, and I'm like, that's it. gross. I hate that. Thank you um (laughs) i hate it so much it's so fucking weird i'm like stephanie i just need you to stop yep for a sec but bella essentially Um, tells jake hey we're only ever going to be friends i don't like you that mm -hmm. way and i understand that you feel a different way about me but you need to you need to accept 
and know that I do not feel that way about you. I will not be feeling that way about you. And either we can be friends or we can't. I really hope we can, like, deal with it. And he's like, okay, I'll deal with it. He's not going to deal with it. No, Um, he's not. (laughs) They get home. Uh... Bella notices that Jake has what feels like a fever and he starts feeling Mm -hmm. sick. Uh, But before he leaves, he tells Bella that he would never hurt her and she can always depend on him. It's a very cute moment. And I just, it's really hard to be me reading this book because I very, I hate Jacob Black at so many moments. He is not a good person and is so annoyingly persistent of Bella. Like, if girl, if, if girl wasn't, like, traumatized and heartbroken because of Edward, I'm convinced she would not be friends with Jacob mm-hmm. because of the advancements he makes towards her. She is, I think, honestly, like, the root of that friendship is her really being codependent and needing somebody else, to t- needing another man in her life. Yeah. Anywho. Um, um, and then we have moments like this, and like, soft Jacob moments where he, like, he really pays attention and listens to Bella. Mm-hmm. At certain points, and then other points, he ignores everything she's saying, everything she wants, all her boundaries. So I'm just like, please pick a lane. It's really too wishy-washy for my liking. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Well, and then Bella has a whole bit where she, in her head, wishes that Jake could be her brother. Had been born mm-hmm. her brother so that she could love him and claim him as hers without feeling guilty or like she's leading him on. And I'm like... Bella, you can. You can lay some sort of claim to him because he is your best friend, okay? That doesn't mean that, like, you're going to be the only girl in his life, and I don't think that's what Bella's wanting. She just wants him to be hers in some way. And, like, he already is. He's your best friend. And it's okay Mm -hmm. for that to be all that it is, you know? It doesn't have to be anything more. It's not your fault that he won't let it go. That's on him. No. Yep. He needs to figure out that this is not going to happen, and if he loves Bella and respects her as a person and as a friend, that he'll find a way to get over it, over his feelings for her. Because I'm like, guess what, Jacob? Guess what? You're clearly attractive. You'll meet someone else mm-hmm. um, who's actually interested in you yep. and, like, maybe respect Bella's boundaries and mm-hmm. stuff since you claim to love her and be so close to her. Bella it's wakes annoying. up with the stomach flu. Uh it's a 24-hour bug, uh, and when she feels better, she calls Jake, expecting him to also be okay, but he's still sick with something awful. It's not the same mm-hmm. thing she has, and he bans her from coming to see him, and she can't see him until he calls and tells her it's okay. Billy claims Jake has mono. Bella is beside herself with anxiety. She's, co- she's a codependent bitch. Um, she really is. We love her, and she needs therapy. She really, really does. Bella keeps calling, keeps getting Billy... Uh, he keeps saying she can't come and then one day he finally says that Jake is better but unavailable he's out with other friends and is dismissive Uh, Charlie worries that Bella's gonna go catatonic again but she reassures him Mm -hmm. sends him out fishing and she goes searching for the meadow again guess what she finds it but it's full of dry tall grass not wild flowers and she breaks down thinking god she's alone and that no one is there to witness her undoing but um guess what she is alone, alone and there is someone there to witness her undoing um she remembers the warnings about the bears and the dangers of the woods so she comes to her senses and makes her leave but instead she comes face to face with laurent yep 
right out of left field. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that one coming. Yep. <laughs> uh, so <Yeah. laughs> Laurent, who was the third member of the James Coven, he's the one who didn't hunt down Bella um, in mm-hmm. the last book. He is back. And he asks yeah. about the Cullens and a hallucination that Edward... Or, sorry, he asks about the Cullens. And the hallucination version of Edward tells Bella to lie. Um, And Laurent shouldn't be a threat because he went to live with the Denali coven, who are another vegetarian Mm -hmm. coven. Um, But Bella notices that his eyes are blood red, not golden like a vegetarian vampire should be. He admits to her that he cheats on their diet and then confesses that he came as a favor to Victoria, who is now out for Bella's blood. She's angry that Edward killed her mate, and now she wants to do the same to him. Laurent reasons that since Bella was abandoned by the Cullen, she doesn't actually mean that much to him, and he resolves to kill her instead. Da-da-da! But just as Laurent is about to attack, a pack of horse-sized wolves come out of the woods and chase him away. Bella remarks that the closest one to her, a reddish-brown wolf, reminds her of Jacob and has too much knowledge in its eyes to be entirely animal. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> Stephanie really shoving your narrative and foreshadowing down our throats as if we are not smart enough to figure it out ourselves. Bella composes herself Anyhow. just enough uh, to know that she needs to get out of the forest. So she stumbles her way through the woods, getting all kinds of beaten up, sobbing out uh, onto the road and home. Charlie's angry with her, then relieved she's okay after she tells him what he's, what she saw. Um, and Bella goes to bed in a panic, thinking that Victoria um, is going to put her and Charlie in danger. Um, and she feels mm-hmm. like she's back where she was a year ago, only it's worse because she feels entirely alone. And there's nothing she can do to protect herself or the people that she loves. Mm-hmm. <gasps> okay. Oh. So okay. much happens. <laughs> literally so much happens and even more stuff is about to happen. Yep. Bella gets fed up with getting the voicemail because now... Billy's basically screening her phone calls because she's like, okay, Billy must have, like, caller ID. So she's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to confront Jacob and figure out what the fuck is going on because I'm sick of this. And so she drives to La Push and confronts Jacob, who is, like, a totally changed person. The sunny persona that she's always associated with Jacob is gone. He's very grouchy. He cut his hair. He's, like, not wearing very much clothing. He just looks very angry. Um, compared to what he used to be. And they get into a big argument. <laughs> yeah, Jake essentially tells her, like, uh, he was wrong about Sam, and now Sam is really awesome. And Bella's like, what do you mean Sam is really awesome? Fuck you. And he's like, uh, no, Bella, fuck you. Like, get out. I'm not good for you to be around, and you're not good for me to be around, and we can't be friends anymore. Get out. Get off my land. And uh, she's like, I hate everything. Fuck, I hate everything. Um, He also tells her that his problems are the Cullen's fault, but won't tell her what his problems are. Um, Bella tries bargaining. You know, if Jake takes her back, she'll try to love him the way he wants her to. Don't do that, Bella. No one is worth that. No, girl, don't. Don't force yourself to love someone in a way you can't. But eventually, Jake forces her home, right? So she goes home, and Charlie's terrified because she's acting like a void again. Um, And she gets Mm -hmm. out of the shower and hears him arguing with Billy. This is another 10 out of 10 Charlie dad moment. I love it. Where he informs Billy that um, 
Bella only ever saw Jacob as a friend. It's not fair for Jacob to do this to her. Um, and, uh, like, Billy tries to bring up the Cullens, and he's like, don't you dare bring that up. She was finally getting better, and it's because of Jake. And if she goes back there again, if she, like, gets bad again, it will be Jacob's fault. And he will have me to answer to, because you are my friend, Billy, but this is hurting my family, and I won't put up with it. And I'm like, yes, Charlie, yes. I love it. Ugh. It's my favorite thing. Uh, okay, so Bella falls asleep that night. She's hella depressed again. Um, she's not sleeping well throughout the night because she's terrified of Victoria finding her still. That's still going on. And she's still very worked up from her argument with Jacob. And then she hears, like, rocks against her window and kind of freaks the fuck out because she's like, fuck, Victoria's here to kill Charlie. No one's here to defend us. Like, we're screwed. And it's Jacob. Mm -hmm. He gives her um, a half-assed apology and tells her that she yeah. already knows his secret. She just has to remember it uh, and tells her he's dangerous again, the whole nine yards, and then hugs her and disappears yeah. into the night. Uh, he also calls her Bells, which pisses me the fuck off, because you're not allowed to it's call charms. her Bells, Jacob. Only Charlie is allowed to call her Bells. Yeah. No, I hate it. Um, but I do like the moment where he's like, I really wish I could tell you. I have this big secret. Have you ever had a secret? You can tell anybody. Like, I, this is not my secret to tell you. I really need you to figure this out yourself. And mm -hmm. she, like, she understands that perspective because of the Cullens. And he brings that up. He's like, you know what I am already. I've told you the story. You just, like, have to go back and remember, basically. Yeah. So then and Bella falls asleep and dreams about Jake turning into a wolf and she puts the pieces together and she's like, what kind of a place is this? And honestly, <laughs> fucking cue, Bella. It's a vibe. She's like, is nobody safe anymore? Mm -hmm. Bella thinks that Jake and the rest of the pack have been responsible for the hiker deaths and disappearances mm -hmm. that have been happening the last few weeks and she decides to throw herself to the wolves, literally, by confronting literally. Jake about it. Um, and so she goes to confront Jake and they talk and she finds out that they aren't hurting people. They're trying to protect them from Victoria. <gasps> Jake calls yep. Bella honey and it's disgusting. I hate it. Um, <laughs> the thing is that like <laughs> all of the things that Jake says to Bella, like bells or honey, are things that infantilize her because they're the same language that her father uses and it's gross. Yeah. Like at least when Edward talks to her, it's not the same language that her parents use for her. Yeah. And Jacob only started calling her honey after he became a werewolf. And I'm like, it's so very condescending, mm -hmm. especially given that he's two years younger than her. And now now that he's this supernatural being, this strong supernatural man, he suddenly feels like he has authority over her, maybe. And, like, mm -hmm. she's a, basically like a baby compared to him because she doesn't have special powers. She's, like, something he has to take care of now, which I'm like, Ugh. yeah. They also no. have this whole thing throughout this whole book about the two of them, like, like waging their ages, where it's Ugh. like, oh, if you can, you know, balance a checkbook, you get an extra two years added to your age. Like, who's actually the more mature, the more older one? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it's so annoying. <laughs> so I hate it. <laughs> Bella realizes that Victoria is still after her. Um, and Jake sees this as terrifying but useful information. So he mm -hmm. asks if Bella and Edward breaking up was the reason the Collins left. And Bella starts to degrade herself and he gets angry. Quote, 
if the blood if that idiot bloodsucker is honestly stupid enough to dot 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 and it's the one moment in which i like jacob following his transformation yeah it's the only good jacob yeah. moment because it's true it's true bella edward really fucked bella over mm-hmm. he really fucking he fucked her over mm-hmm. like he knew victoria was still out there he knew laurent was still out there and he really left bella by herself with no fucking protection against these supernatural creatures he left her basically like like hanging like bait mm-hmm. for victoria yeah i'm like so fucking selfish of him to not consider the fact that even though he's removing himself and his family from her world that she's still like immersed in the supernatural because of him mm-hmm. like your actions have consequences still even if you are no longer in her life yeah <clears throat> Jake explains to Bella that Sam is the alpha of the pack, Uh, so he gives orders that the rest of them are obligated to follow or, like, compelled to follow, and one of which was that Jake couldn't tell Bella about them being wolves, which is why she had to guess his secret. He takes Bella to meet the rest of the pack uh, at a sort of war meeting or strategy meeting, and the rest of the pack is pissed that Bella's there. Paul wolfs out, and so does Jake, and they tumble off fighting, Embry and Jared, who are also members of the pack, take Bella to Emily's. Uh, Emily is Sam's fiance. Uh, mm-hmm. She has her face is scarred because Sam lost his temper once and wolfed out in front of her, and she got mm-hmm. terribly, terribly hurt. Um, which is awful and tragic, and is cited as one of the reasons that Jake is not like Be- It's not safe for Bella to be around Jake. Or yeah. to have a relationship with Jake is because of what happened to Emily. Like, if I get mad, I could wolf out, and I don't want to hurt you like that. Basically, werewolves are like the Hulk. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Emily makes food for everyone, and the pack eats way too much. Uh, and Jake tells the pack that Victoria is after Bella, and they make plans to protect her and Charlie and to hunt down and get rid of Victoria. Bella has another dream where she and Emily are standing together <sighs> holding hands and facing the darkened forest, waiting for their wolves to come home. Bella and Charlie are both spending a lot of time at La Push for their protection. Uh, and Bella and Jake have plans to go cliff diving, but when she gets to his house... Billy tells her that the pack went after Victoria. This is, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. weeks later. Um, And Bella is panicked because there's a group of hunters, including her dad, who are out in the woods right now looking for the wolves in order to kill them. Um, She is beside herself with terror and panic and grief. And so she paces the beach for a while and then decides, fuck it, I'm going to go cliff diving myself because, like, I need to feel something other than panic and that's going to give it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I need my crutch. She's essentially, like, we, we said she was, like, addicted to these hallucinations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so the same way that, like, when people who are addicted to nicotine would reach for a cigarette, when they suddenly get stressed, even if they've been doing really, really well with not smoking, if they suddenly experience a really stressful or awful situation, it's going to, like, give them the itch to smoke again. Yeah. Bella then has the itch to hear the hallucinations again and she decides that she's going to go cliff jumping by herself not recognizing how dangerous that's going to be not only because she's cliff jumping which she has never done before but also because she doesn't realize that there's a storm rolling in and the water is becoming more dangerous by the second Mm -hmm. she jumps into the water and she realizes that 
this was a big ass mistake. This was a terrible, yep. terrible mistake. And Edward's voice tries to tell her to not give up and to keep swimming and to keep going, and she gives up. Uh, and in what she thinks are her last moments, she sees Edward. Her hallucination now has a body, and she pictures Edward perfectly. She hasn't forgotten a single detail about him. Uh, she <laughs> She's ripped out of the water by Jake, who had gotten home just in time to see her jump. And so he jumped in mm-hmm. after her and saved her. And she coughs up a bunch of water. Uh, and Sam is also there. And he leaves Jake to get her warm and safe while Bella goes to the hospital. Or while he goes back to the hospital where the rest of the pack and both of their dads are. Because Harry Clearwater has had a heart attack. Harry doesn't end up making it through the night. Uh, mm-hmm. When morning comes, Billy comes home to deliver the news. And um, during that night, Bella sits and contemplates her romantic life. And she wonders what Juliet would have done if Romeo had left her. Would she have settled mm-hmm. for Paris? You know, maybe she would have. And maybe she, Bella, should settle for Jake, even though she doesn't love yeah. him romantically. You know, she loves him more than anyone else in a different kind of way. And that's enough, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, Bella, it's not enough. No. It's not enough. You can't You can't just force yourself into a romantic relationship with your best friend no. because he loves you. That's not okay. No. Like, you need to understand that you can't force feelings and... You trying to force romantic relationship is only going to ruin your friendship. Like, your most important friendship, objectively. Mm-hmm. So, you need to cement your boundaries with Jacob. And if he doesn't respect those boundaries, unfortunately, you need to, like, withhold your friendship. Yeah. I, I look at Bella in this book in particular, and I see a lot of myself at, like, mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18, and it hurts because I was yeah. I was there. Uh, and it wasn't even like, I, I think I was a mixture of Jake and Bella in a lot of ways in terms of like, you know, friendship versus romantic relationship and like the, yeah. the, the blurry line that could exist between the two when you're a teenager, you know? Um, yeah. But like, even then, I knew better than to do that like it was very easy to have crushes on your very close friends right Mm -hmm. but yeah if there was any chance that like either of you weren't into it romantically then it wasn't worth doing because you knew you'd ruin the friendship and for some reason Bella is bargaining with herself in such a way where she has almost convinced herself that it's okay that she doesn't like Jake romantically because maybe she could learn to. And Bella, no. you need you need to give yourself more self-worth, hon. This is not good. Yeah. I'm like I she needs to understand that it's okay to love Jake the way she does, which mm-hmm. is a more familial platonic way of loving someone. There's so much importance in the love between friends that gets so brushed over in these books because, you know, clearly Stephanie Meyer does not think boys and girls can be friends and still love each other. Mm -hmm. 
and it's very frustrating because the whole love triangle between Bella, Edward, and Jacob is just annoying, quite frankly. The older I get, it seems just more and more ridiculous because I see Jacob as a person that Bella can finally confide in because he understands the supernatural world. And she can finally talk to someone about this stuff that's been like, you know, she's kept a secret for so long. She finally has a friend, you know, a relationship outside of Edward. And like, she really is like, nope, this can't be the thing. This must be romantic or I'm just an awful friend because I don't want to be with him that way. Mm -hmm. Like invalidating her own feelings, which is not fair. It sucks. It really, really sucks. <sighs> Jake drives Bella home. And she, with all these thoughts in her head, nearly makes the decision to settle and to just yeah. let Jake kiss her and just let it happen um, because Edward would want her to be happy even if he didn't want anything to do with her anymore. And I'm sitting here going, honey, if the reason you're going to settle for Jake is because you know Edward would want you to be happy, then Jake is not the right person for you because you are clearly still in love with Edward. That's not okay. Yeah. The thing is, like, I, I'm like, yes, Bella, you could eventually maybe get feelings for Jacob, but not at least for like a year or so you or need even to let years. go of your feelings of edward first yeah i'm like you are still not over your first love and that's mm -hmm. so evident and like you are trying so hard to move on from him to jacob where you need to just be like moving on from him to loving yourself to then if maybe if you catch these feelings for jacob great if you don't also great like what's what's gonna happen's gonna happen but like you're trying to force these feelings too soon when you're not even over your first breakup. You're still very traumatized from that breakup, clearly, because mm -hmm. you're hallucinating his voice in your head. Um, it's not healthy at all. So, like, stop trying to force something to happen that should not be happening. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing you could do for yourself is force yourself into a relationship when you're mentally not in a space where you should be in one. Just before that moment happens... Um... Jake opens his, the door to the truck to get out and slams it shut because he smells a vampire. They frantically go to drive away, thinking Victoria is right behind them. And as they turn to drive off, Bella notices a car that is so, so familiar to her across the street from her house. It's Carlisle's car. Do, and the do, colors do. are back. <laughs> and that's... End of act two. End of act two. And uh, that is also Clipping. an hour and 20-ish, 20-some <laughs> minutes that we have been recording. Um, so we're going to cut part one here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and record part two right away. So uh, mm -hmm. this episode that we're recording right now uh, that you just listened to, this is going up at its normal teen squee time. Uh, and then where we would normally have a free Sunday in between episodes, we're going to post part two, which we are going to go record right now. So uh, thanks for listening thus far, y'all. And uh, mm -hmm. we will see you next week. Actually, yes, next week for uh, actually next week part two of New Moon. God, these books are so it's long. 
we're gonna have to keep doing this for the next couple of books because they only get they only get longer and more complicated <laughs> so i'm this is gonna be a very new norm for our coverage of twilight saga at least with the books i think with the movies we don't need to cut them in half yeah but but there's so much the books. <laughs> there's so much plot and drama that happens that when we do the books yeah. and like lay out that plot it's, there's too much so it just has to be cut in two no. so th- get re- get used to this format it's yeah. what's probably going to happen until we're done with the series so sorry yeah <laughs> but uh, also more content yeah and also now if you weren't able to finish new moon before like if, if you only made it to the end of act two now you have the chance to mm-hmm. read act three before next yes. week yes <laughs> okay yeah we'll see you soon friends see you soon bye guys. bye